Welcome to Directly from the Source, a Chandler podcast, where we share insights about Chandler and explore issues impacting our community with the experts addressing them. I'm your host, Matt Burdick. Thanks for tapping in today as we talk about homelessness. So let me first, I've got a couple of special guests joining me today. Uh, first, introduce Ryan Balch and Misty Gustafson. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, Ryan, I'll start with you, maybe give folks a sense of what your role is here at the city and, and what's involved with your role. Sure, thanks. So um, I'm the Community Resources Manager, and so I live in the Neighborhood Resources Department. And my division, the Community Development Division, our, our goal is to help people who are low or mid-income. And um, that, of course, uh, includes people experiencing homelessness. And that's really um, my biggest area of passion and where I've spent my life's work personally. And so in the area of homelessness, we have both directly operated programs where we have staff like Misty here, um, who has a team of people who work with her to um, help people experiencing homelessness, of course, with always with the goal of housing. And then we also support nonprofit organizations in our community that do all kinds of different work for people experiencing homelessness and a variety of other things. But since we're talking about homelessness today, that's a piece of my role. And then my role also extends to um, regional efforts because homelessness doesn't exist in a vacuum. We're, you know, in the Maricopa region. So that would be all the cities and towns in Maricopa County. You know, we see ourselves as one entity. People who don't have a home can move around. And so we want to make sure that we're acting as a region and that we have continuous services, that we're in communication with each other, that we're applying for funds together, um, that we're helping each other and playing on each other's strengths. So uh, we're really part of a much, although we have all these wonderful services in Chandler that hopefully we'll talk about today, we're really part of a bigger, greater effort um, across our region and honestly across our state and across our nation to end homelessness. Absolutely. Misty, tell us a little bit about what your role is here. Hi, um, so I'm Misty Gustafson, and I am the Community Navigator Supervisor. I work in Neighborhood Resources under Ryan, um, and I have a team of seven navigators right now that are currently out in the streets um, offering services to people experiencing homelessness, and I also oversee our housing stability team as well, and so people that are getting housed, these uh, housing stability specialists are a very important piece of the puzzle because what they do is they stabilize our folks that are experiencing homelessness once they get into housing and helping them get to self-sufficiency and or connected to all the resources to help them stay and remain housed successfully after the program ends. And we're gonna dive a little deeper into the role of a community navigator, but Ryan, you mentioned regional connections. So let's, let's start at the regional level and some of the things that you're seeing at the regional level and some of the resources that we use in Chandler yeah. to address homelessness. Sure. So every community has what we call a continuum of care and um, every state, you know, breaks down based on geographics and how communities function in their state. Our state has three continuas of care. As Chandler, we are part of the Maricopa Regional Continuum of Care, and that involves all the cities and towns in Maricopa County, and also um, all of the nonprofit providers, all of the faith organizations, businesses, anyone that is a part of ending homelessness, whether that be through advocacy or service delivery or policy making. So this is a hub where all of us meet and plan. And one of the biggest sources of funding that we have as a region is called Continuum of Care Funding. It comes from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. 
and we are required to function as a group and plan as a group and have some structure in place. For instance, how do people get referred to the services they need? So instead of a early bird gets the worm, we all work together to evaluate and use the same standards and put people in order based on their needs and what we call chronicity. So that would be length of time and acuity. That would be the severity of the service needs of the person. So that we're always getting the people in the most vulnerable position. They're getting the services first, if you will, and getting the right services for them. So it's not just a hodgepodge of where people might wander in, but really getting people to the right place at the right time. So we have to work as a region to do that. The city of Chandler is a member of the Continuum of Care, and we participate in drawing down funding through the Continuum of Care and then also through other state and federal programs. And basically the idea is that we all work together. Misty, so let's talk a little bit about the Community Navigator Program and what what you and your team are seeing in Chandler as it relates to homelessness. Absolutely. So we currently have a team of seven navigators and their job is basically to hop in the truck every day. We're going out, we're roaming the streets, we're looking for people experiencing homelessness. We're taking referrals from the hospital has us on speed dial, residents, businesses. We're actually a part of the police department dispatch system. Um, So if they ever get a call regarding homelessness, they can just text my team and one of us will respond. I'll speak for myself and I think it's important that everybody knows you know, we have lived experience. So um, I myself once was an addict. I once, you know, had suffered with some mental health issues, was homeless for a very long time. And so we really have the insider outlook on it, if if you'll say, to know like where these people are. You may not think to look at the tunnel, you know, under the 202, but we do. So it's a We go out and we just help people where they're at. Um, I think it's really important to understand that um, there's not a cookie cutter outline on how to help someone. Uh, One of the great things about the city of Chandler is we focus on people's strengths and we meet them where they're at and we have individualized case plans for everyone um, with the goal of housing. So the population of homelessness has increased so much because of the lack of affordability in housing. So we have families with five kids and a dog sleeping in their van at the library. We have the elderly folks that are 90 years old. They can't use a computer. They can barely drive or fill out an application and they make $900 a month and they just can't they can't afford it. They can't afford their rent, you know, and they need help. So we're getting everyone signed up for any Section 8 whenever they open. We're getting them applied to subsidized housing where it's like 30% of their income, but there's like years wait on that, right? So we we really come in and just connect them to any resource that's available to them. Our program offers things like uh, state ID and birth certificate, social security cards so that they can get employment so that they can get off the streets. Maybe they lost their job during COVID. We'll help them get closed. We help them with resumes, all these things to try and make them self-sufficient. So we navigate the system and show them how to once again be self-sufficient. We're also a part of the continuum of care like she had mentioned. And so we help people get into that system to see if they qualify for any assistance and then get them on the right path. So let's talk a little bit about the different types of people that are experiencing homelessness. 
homelessness. Misty, you mentioned chronic homelessness, and you mentioned Section 8. So for those that don't know what Section 8 is, I'll ask you if you could maybe address that. But we have chronic homelessness, and we have those that might be experiencing homelessness for the first time. So if you could... Sure. So Misty, you know, mentioned that homelessness is increasing rapidly, and that is what we're seeing here in Chandler and across the nation. And a lot of it is you know, a math problem. It's an affordability issue. We all want affordable rent, but there simply aren't enough units of housing, whether it's at the highest of incomes or the lowest of incomes. And so when you have a supply issue, rents go up, right? Mortgages mortgages go up too, right? The cost of housing goes up. But when you have that supply issue, people at the higher ends of the income brackets, right, they fill down all the housing. So they might be paying for something they could afford more, but even at their income, that's not available. So the people at the very end get pushed out. What we're seeing is people who are experiencing homelessness for the first time. Maybe they're on a fixed income. Maybe uh, they lost their job for a minute and never were able to catch up again. Um, Or maybe they're entering the housing market for the first time and they simply cannot get in either to the rental market or the housing market. Mm-hmm. You know, you have kids staying with their parents for longer and longer because they simply can't afford to move out. And then you have, you know, families, even if they just lose one of their incomes, they can't meet that rent anymore. So like Misty said, we're seeing a lot more families, seniors, or even people with disabilities on fixed incomes. And a lot of people will, the first step is moving into their car. And that's devastating. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, one family that we had over this last year who, it was a, a husband and a wife. They had a toddler and she was pregnant and she had to give birth while they were homeless living in their car and then go back to their car. C-section, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. C-section, yeah. And, and then, her baby was like three days old when we met her. Yes, living in the car, if you mm-hmm. can imagine. And these are n- people that had never been homeless before. He was in business for himself. He was a physical fitness trainer. Pandemic happened. Nobody's coming to the gym anymore because the gym is closed and they weren't able to pay their rent and that was it they were out and then of course she was out of work because she was having a child so temporary problems that led to a much larger issue and you know fortunately we were able to find them and get them back on their path. But once you get there, it can be really hard. Now that the eviction moratorium has ended, um, that was in place due to the pandemic, we're seeing massive amounts of evictions. And Arizona was already a state that had a high number of evictions. And now we are higher than where we were before the pandemic started. So we um, know in our business and our industry that we are preparing for it to get even worse, quite frankly. So there's there's that and it's a different kind of homelessness right it's a people that have never experienced it before don't know what resources are out there don't know how to handle something like that still are employed and need to get to work there's all kinds of different issues and then of course we have what people typically think of as homelessness which is you know people they see on the streets maybe they're older probably more male than female many have addictions or disabilities and those are folks that we would often refer to as chronically homeless And that means that they have some form of disability and that they have some length of time on the street. Either they've been on the street for many, many years or they've had many, many episodes of homelessness. And those folks are dealing with probably untreated mental health issues, sometimes substance use issues that can result from untreated mental health issues. It also goes the other way around. You could have a substance use issue that leads to deteriorating mental health. That's what people typically think of as homelessness, but that's only about 20% of our population. We do spend a lot of time and resources with that population, but there's this whole other 80% that also needs 
needs help and assistance. So in those situations, whether that's chronic homelessness or those that are experienced for the first time, what are some of the key outcomes that you focus on in terms of trying to stabilize? What are some of the goals for for your program, the things you do? Yeah, so the goal is always ultimately housing, right? The overarching cause of homelessness is a lack of housing. But then different populations come with different barriers and different levels of, of barriers. So we have to look at that first. We, we like to use what's called a housing first approach, which means the best thing we can do as quickly as possible is get someone rehoused. It's very hard if you're living in a shelter and many of our shelters don't have day services. They're just simply an overnight service very hard with just an overnight place to stay to think about employment, clean clothes, where's my food coming from, where do I store my things, how do I get my kid to school, all of these things. So really, housing is the very first thing we think about. Like if we can just get somebody under a roof and stable and safe, then we can start to work on all of these other things. But with housing in such short supply, that can be very challenging. Once we do get people housed, then of course we do need to look at what were the issues, the barriers that led them to this spot and start working on those things so that it doesn't happen again. So that might be, let's look at your mental health. Let's look at how you're spending your budget. Let's look at, are you maximizing you know, your income potential? So what are some of the programs that you have as it relates to getting people into housing? Yeah, so we have several programs. So um, our first program is obviously the outreach, which is called Chandler Connect. Um, Again, we're just in the community serving folks that we're seeing with our own eyes and that are being referred to us. And people also walk into the office. Um, We also have uh, Operation Open Door, which is a non-congregate shelter program. Um, We've had a ton of success with that. When COVID happened, um, the shelters had to reduce their sizes substantially because of the social distancing and all that. So what we did is we were able to start a non-congregate shelter, meaning that they were individually in a hotel room, and then we had intense case management working with those folks. Um, I think it's really important that everyone knows, like, The family shelter wait list right now is six to eight weeks. So if you become homeless with your children and you call for family emergency shelter, it's a six to eight week wait period. Those are the type of people that we have in the hotel currently and also folks that were just really vulnerable to COVID and, you know, maybe had health issues or elderly. And so with our program, what we focus on is until we can get them housed, we're still working on housing stability like obtaining all their documents, trying to make sure they have income, trying to make sure that they are budgeting if they do have an income, savings accounts, all those things, getting them connected to all the resources that are out there. They may not know that DES has a child care program. We make sure that all the kids are, you know, going to school and that they have a ride to and from the the program to get to their school, things like that. And we've had just an astonishing amount of success from that program. I remember the police department called me a few years back and there was a 80-year-old man sitting in his car at Nozomi Park just sobbing like he was completely homeless he they raised his rent to three hundred dollars he just couldn't afford it what do you do he can barely hear all those things right so we were able to stabilize him in our hotel program we were able to help him with the use of change up to purchase he paid for half we paid for half for hearing aids and we were able to get him into a voucher and stabilize him into housing but it took you know a good two months to get there but he would have otherwise just 
not known what to do. He had no family here. There's a bit of a language barrier. You know, there were certain things that he was just really having a hard time. So that was one of the great, one of my most favorite outcomes of the hotel program is those folks that are just, you know, otherwise doomed. They don't have any, they don't have a natural support system. And that's what we are, the natural support system. Let's talk about prevention. When you have somebody in a housing situation, preventing them from becoming homeless. Yeah. So what what are some of the things yeah. that you experience as it relates to helping people remain in yeah. housing? So prevention is huge, especially when you have a shortage of actual housing, right? It's not like there's any someplace else for people to go. So we want to do everything we can to keep someone in their housing. So we do that in a number of ways. During the pandemic, a lot of money was made available for eviction prevention or rental and utility assistance. That's what that looks like. Um, and we have spent as a city about $25 million of federal funding that was made available through two separate acts to help people stay in their homes when they had a COVID-specific reason like losing a job, being out of work because of health having to take care of children that were no longer able to go to daycare, like all the reasons that you might lose income. And once you're behind, you know, it's so hard to dig out. We know that need is continuing. We hope there will be additional funds to continue programs like that. There's very little of that aside from this pandemic funding. So um, I think the nation is now aware of the need. So hoping to look to good things for the future. Um, other things that we do is we also have another federally funded program, which is a homeowner repair and rehabilitation. So lots of people who own their homes, maybe they don't even have a mortgage anymore. They're older, they're on fixed income, but their homes, they don't have enough income to maintain the home. The homes are getting older and maybe there's a, a health or safety issue like a hole in the roof or an AC that goes out and they can't afford to replace it. A fence breaks and it's dangerous, whatever it is. So we have this program where um, qualified lower moderate income uh, households can apply. They have to own their home, but just keeping people's assets that they already have safe so that they can continue to live there is um, a great way that we do prevention as well. Let me ask you just from a standpoint of someone who maybe has never experienced homelessness and you know, it's con maybe our concern about growth of homelessness. As we have resources that we're putting towards this, if you could speak to the issue of putting resources towards homelessness service attract homelessness? That's such a great question. Um, you know, lots of people think that, and you know, I see why you might think that, hey, there's all these services, why wouldn't people be interested in that and come to that? And I think one of the great myths is people experiencing homelessness generally either don't know that there are services available or aren't looking for them. So that 20% that I talked about that are chronically homeless, they have disability, whether it's mental health or substance use, and they've been on the street forever, they are fairly service resistant. Um, that's why we have navigators, because it takes a long time for them to build a relationship with the person and convince them that services could help them and improve their quality of life. They've been through a lot. These folks have lots and lots of trauma They've used, tried to use every system. They've been burnt. They just have not had good outcomes in their past. And so getting them to even, you know, engage with us is hard work. And that's why it takes professionals, behavioral health professionals, which is what all of our navigators are. They have certifications as behavioral health technicians. They have lived experience. They take all kinds of training in things like motivational interviewing and harm reduction and how to work um, with people who 
are in addiction, like all of these, they have, you know, very specialized skills and experience. And it takes all of that and it takes consistency and repetitiveness to get people to engage in services. So so one thing that I think it's good for people to know is people experiencing homelessness aren't knocking down our doors looking for services, right? We have to go to them and really engage them and say, hey, we think we can help. I did it. You can do it. The other thing is, I would say, and I'm looking at Misty for this, you know, 95% of our population were born and raised in Chandler. Yeah. People stay with their community. When you're experiencing homelessness, I think one of the greatest losses is your community. I would say many of our clients would choose community. They do choose community over housing any day of the week. When we try to house somebody outside of our community, nine times out of 10, they come back. They'll come and be homeless in the streets and not stay in the apartment because they just want to be from here in Chandler where they're from. In my home where I know my neighbors, I like to shop at the grocery store that's close to me. Um, I like to know my surroundings and, and, you know, people experiencing homelessness are no different. They need to be close to family. They need to be close to friends. They need to be close to their doctor's office. You put them across town, it might as well be like going to another state. They're not comfortable. They they don't feel safe. Um, they don't have the resources they need. So, you know, it really just is a myth that having services draws people I think quite the antithesis is that if you have services in your community, you're much more likely to get people to use them. I think it's important for everyone to know, too, that just about every city, at least our major cities, all offer the same services. The city of Tempe has the HOPE team. Mesa, um, I know, is working with Community Bridges. There's Community Bridges in general, which is huge, and they're all over the state of Arizona. I know that Glendale is now doing it, right? Phoenix has it. Every every city has these services. So it's important that, you know, that everyone knows, like, they're not coming here to get our services. They are from here. We had a lady that was born on a farm over by, you know, near one of our local parks, and that's where she became homeless or stayed while she was homeless because... She was born there. She wasn't even born at a hospital, right? And that was her home. That was her land of her family's. And, you know, a business has since bought it, right? And that became an issue. But she's been here her whole life, entire life. And we did get her house, too, yeah. which is and amazing. she is housed. But yeah. She insisted that it be In within... A- two square miles yes. of this area. Uh, otherwise, she would stay in the park. Yep. Um, and we have been able to meet that need for her. But she, you know, we offered her many options throughout Chandler. And not until we could find the one that was within that proximity was she willing to get housed. Yeah. So people really are tied to their own communities. For those that maybe know someone, see someone, that is in need and thinking more on the prevention side, where can they go to get resources or where can they refer people to if they're either come across someone who's experiencing homelessness or maybe, Ryan, to your point, they're experiencing homelessness or potentially experiencing homelessness for the first time, where do they go? That's a great question. Um, So we have two different, three different ways that someone could reach out. We have our direct line to our homeless services um, and in that number is 480-782-4349 and you can also email us at homeless.outreach at chandleraz.gov the 
person themselves or you could even if you see somebody they may be interested in services you could just let them know to come to neighborhood resources here at the city um, that is where our office is located any emails or phone calls will be followed up with the same day we try to call everybody back or go see them if you just see someone you don't even want to speak to them uh, maybe you're not comfortable or whatever that looks like please feel free to call or email us and we're checking the email all day um, we're here from 6 a.m to 7 30 p.m every day of the week so someone's generally here here. If you want to leave a message, we could follow up in the morning. And let's talk about change yeah. up and yeah. panhandling a little bit. So for those that are interested in providing support and being part of the solution to help people that might be experiencing homelessness for the first time or preventing homelessness, what are some ways that they can give or be part of that solution? So we have an awesome program called Change Up. And what people might not know is, um, so first of all, we have such a generous community in Chandler. Chandler is a great place to panhandle, and that's because people care. However, when you give to somebody who's panhandling, in some way, you're enabling them to stay longer on the street if they are on the street. And the average longevity for somebody who lives on the street is 47 for men and 49 for women. So, you know, that's a short life. And so if you think of it that way, because it's you know living on the street is is not healthy or safe so um when you think about it that way and that's what i always remind myself right when i see people who are asking for money i feel for them and i want to help them but giving them another dollar that day is allowing them to continue to live the way they're living and and i know that's going to lead to a short life so um we've created a program it's really a panhandling education program and we're trying to just let the community know that there's a better way to help. So we want people to continue helping. We want to help these people. So instead of giving to the person that you see, what you can do is you can text the word change up to the number 44321. And what will pop up on your screen is, oh, hi, would you like to donate a dollar, five dollars? You can put in your own amount. You could do it monthly. There's all kinds of options. And that mo money goes directly to a nonprofit partner of all ours called For Our City Chandler. And um, they oversee this fund. And we, our navigators, are able to utilize those funds for the kinds of things that help us engage with people experiencing homelessness that government funds, grant funds, are never going to pay for. Maybe it's, hey, you know, want to come get a burger with me? Let's chat. Um, so they can take them to Burger King and get a burger and just start that relationship with someone. Sometimes it's we're moving somebody into the apartment for the first time in 10, 20 years that they've had a roof over their head. And that can be extremely anxiety provoking. And we just need to get them a radio or some books or whatever it is that's going to keep them going while we help them accommodate to that new environment. So ChangeUp allows us to have a relationship with someone and get them the things that they need. We've talked about prevention and we've talked about outcomes. So what are some of the things that you're seeing through the various services that you're providing? So we're seeing a huge success rate is what we're seeing. And I think the relationships that we have with the folks, either chronic or non-chronic, is a very special and important relationship. We had a lady that was out here for so, before I even came, she was here, vandalizing properties, suffering with mental health, you know, and you look at that person and you think there's no hope, right? And they, they think there's no hope, but we continued for years. And every time she crossed our path, we were there with a, a smile 
smile and a bottle of water and what can I do to help you? And actually through our support court, we were able to get her into treatment. She's now off our streets vandalizing and yelling and cussing at the top of her lungs. And now she's like back at home with her kids and her grandkids. And it's been 10 years, right, that she's been out here just not okay. And then you have, you know, the families that are out there. We came up on a family in a parking lot sitting in the car with her three young kids. She had a big, huge dog and it was her, her husband, the three kids, the big dog and just sitting in their vehicle like what do we do they had no idea and she was crying and I was happened to be on my lunch break walking through the parking lot and I saw her and I said you know are you guys you could tell they were living out of their car you know are you guys okay and she said no we're not okay they had no idea what to do they were evicted they they just had no no idea thankfully you know and it was a really quick turnaround because they both had employment the kids were still in school and they were doing the very best that they could right Um, You know, we were able to get them reconnected to housing. One of our programs does assist with paying off evictions, right? And so we were able to get that cleared up and found a unit that would accept her with that recent eviction and just getting them right back on their feet and, and so grateful that we were there when we were because otherwise they had no family. They had no idea what they were gonna do. And I'll just ask you if any any closing comments or a message that you'd like the community here as it relates to either someone that is potentially facing homelessness or experiencing homelessness or wants to be part of the solution to help end homelessness. Absolutely. I I think it's important for everyone to know that all of us could be one paycheck away from becoming homeless. It's not necessarily the end of the world. It's not someone experiencing homelessness is not a monster. They're not out to hurt you or or anyone and I think it's important to know that kindness goes a long way you know smiling at someone and telling them have a good day and and giving my team a call and saying hey there's somebody that looks like they could use your help that that supersedes any any uh, Facebook post or any uh, you know, call the PD, right? We have services in place in the city of Chandler so that PD can do their job. The fire department could do theirs. And like, we're all about homelessness. So please, please feel free to call us or email us um, so that we can go and help those folks that, you know, maybe you saw that we didn't. It's very important. An important thing to note on that, too, is that we understand that homelessness also impacts neighborhoods and businesses. And this same team of people, we will come out. We will talk to community leaders. We will work with the business. If you have an issue in your area, we will come out and help you plan. We know that homelessness has many impacts, and we um, care uh, just as much about the a business or a neighborhood as we do about the people. And we know how to make sure that we're serving all sides. So if you're a business or a neighborhood, call us. We'll come out. We'll meet with you. We'll look at what's going on in your area and figure out some solutions. And you don't have to feel guilty that you might be harming someone. We're going to do it in the way that's best for the people experiencing homelessness as well. The other thing I would add is that if you are somebody who is currently housed, but you have an eviction coming your way, um, there are still funds available. Maricopa County services the city of Chandler. So you just go to the Maricopa County website. There is a portal. You can apply for um, rental and utility assistance right there. We also have a CARES team in our office, um, which is a couple folks who just are just there to help people who don't know what to do, who are in crisis. We can help you with that application process. We're here to help. And I assume the same thing would happen for an employer. If they they are aware of of an employee that is potentially facing an eviction or other financial crisis, Yes, we love so. to hear from employers, actually, because yes. first of all, it's, it's great that they care and want to do something and we'll get right on it and mm-hmm. see what we can do. 
and we'll put those that contact information and those links we'll put that in the show notes for those that make it easy for you to connect with those but again i think the message is clear that our our focus is really on the prevention side keeping people housed and when for those that either are experiencing homelessness for the first time or are experiencing chronic homelessness we want to connect them with resources to offer that housing stability. We want to end that homelessness as quickly as possible. Well, thanks for going beyond the headlines and hearsay to learn about homelessness resources directly from the source. And make sure to check out the Voices of the Chandler podcast as they share Chandler stories with new episodes each month. Ryan, Misty, thank you again for being here today and relaying all this great information about all the things you're doing to help end homelessness in Chandler. Thank you for having thanks us. Thanks so much for having us.